this is that other sports shit. Let's go. persons all everywhere listening ears wide open we're back we're back uh, i am i am certainly low energy and i'm trying to like project bring it up energy i'm trying to project energy take I, it till I, you make it uh we, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do something eventually we're gonna we got stuff you know happening i'm going to get better during the show uh but for right now i can tell you who is really not projecting high energy because he just simply is high energy. And that's my guy holding down Fresno, California, Mr. Jason Valdez. Shout out Josh Thrash Metal Woo. at Twitter. Yeah. And we're going to talk about Twitter here for about three to five minutes. Our loyal listeners who have been waiting for some of this stuff. But we're going to start here because we're all about positivity on this show. And there's nobody that's motivating me more right now. There's nobody that is a feel-good story to me on hashtag MMA Twitter. Not this guy running around having fun, getting a million tweets, showing bad form in Thailand. I'm talking about, again, my boy, Josh Thrash Metal. He's getting it done. He's on a comeback trail like you wouldn't believe. And Jess, he's in the gym. He's went... He's done the five days, the seven days, the 10 days, the 14 days, and now he's made it a routine. He's always been a video uh, Twitter guy, yeah. and which to me, I've always loved. We've shouted him out here before. If you don't follow him, you really should be following him because he's just a fantastic dude. But now he's in the gym. He's just like us, Jess. He's just trying to get swollen out of control. He's just trying to enjoy the lay of the land. He's just trying to break a sweat, get a pump, and look at himself in the mirror and have a little bit more self-respect for himself, which we all do once we get that good pump and we look at ourselves and we, and we just feel 1% better. Jess, give me some thoughts on our boy, Joshy. Yeah, Joshy's doing his thing. He, he is very motivating. It's great to come across uh, certain Twitter folks like when they just hit like a – you're kind of in a weird spot and you see somebody just really doing their thing. And it's, it does, it's really uplifting. And Joshy is, he is becoming like, he's like, I feel like he's my mascot, like out there. Like, I love just hearing this guy. The, the video tweets are super cool. The way he does them, like, he's just so natural. Like, and it is natural. Like, it's just him. He's not trying to be anybody else. He's not trying to be a personality. And now he's in the gym and being in the gym just relates with me because obviously, like Jay, you and I are big gym junkies. We're in there every day. We're doing our thing. We're hitting the iron. And now Josh is in there doing the same thing. And he's talking about like the the you know those first effects. Like when you first get into the gym, he's like, Yeah, man, like I I didn't know what to do. I'm in there just trying to like lift and do some curls, do some chest, got some dumbbells. And I remember those days. Like now, for me, gym is business, right? But there was a point in time when it was just like, what am I doing today? I have no idea. I'm just going to go pick something up and lift it a couple times, see what happens. And that's the spot he's in. 
And what's cool is he can reach out to guys like you and I and other people out there on Twitter, obviously, and and we can help them along that journey. And that's what unites people, man. I'm telling you, I'm excited about the uh, the whole yeah, Twitter absolutely. thing, and like you get a, a, a just unite with people. That's and, a real and create yeah. and create a a different journey together as persons, and you know of of uh, similar objectives. And you know that that's what that's what social media was meant for. Yep. And and uh, I think that if you use it that way, this is the outcome. Josh, you're the man. We love you. I think it's good to find people that inspire you. And I think it's good to that social media provides a positive, also very negative, a positive platform for people to find things that they relate to and go, yeah, I think that's cool too. Yeah. I like that fighter too. Oh, I like this wrestler too. Oh, I like this. I like the bills. I like the warriors. I like the, which then becomes hashtag Bills Mafia or hashtag Dub Nation, or and you just all of a sudden it, it, you're you're in this po- mostly you'd hope positive, uh, you know, spot within social media. Now, of course, we've discussed this multiple times, numerous times on the show, especially ma- now more than recently. Uh, it can also be very negative. Jess, this is how I uh, seamlessly transition into you because you have slowly quietly came back to Twitter. And I don't know how much you want to talk about this. So if you want to uh, just like delete this part of the show or edit this part (laughs) out, that of course is fine to me. Not to put you on blast, of course. But one thing that I noticed when you came back, did you delete Twitter and then come back with your same username? Or did you just unfollow every single person in the world? No. So uh, when you delete or when you, deactivate twitter it gives you a certain amount of days to come back and check in and to keep your your same account so apparently i went too long so i had to start over with a brand new account funny thing is is i got to start over with a brand new account with my same exact twitter handle that i had before Uh, so this time around it's a little bit different um i i feel like a lot of times when we get on social media, whether it's Facebook or Truth Social, for all you like mad Republicans out there, and yeah, for all you for all you Twitter people and the Instagram people and the Snapchat people, and all, there's a point in time when you come to a crossroads where you're like, do I continue being my original self and project and 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 give out my own thoughts, like my actual honest opinions? Or do I go with the flow and create this new personality type to kind of be liked and, re- you know, and get the follows and get the likes? I feel like I was going down that road. So this time around, what you get on Twitter is me. You're getting my, you're getting my opinions. You're getting my thoughts, whether you like them or not. And if you don't, I apologize, but I don't because they're my thoughts. They're my opinions. Yeah. Freedom of speech, baby. That's what the United States was created for. It's in the damn Constitution. So... I'm just going to give you what I think about things and you know, I'm still going to be funny at times. I'm, I'm going to still talk some shit at times. I'm going to talk Buffalo Bills football at times. Uh, I'm obviously going to, you know, throw out the, uh, uh, at team toss 21. So y'all can follow and, and, and hang out with us from time to Please. time. And, and, uh, and, and mostly will be used for sports talk and stuff like that. But when it comes to certain political things and other, uh, you know, other types of things, societal things going on 
if I feel the need or the want, more importantly, to speak out on it, I'm going to. And if you don't like it, you know, it's just it is what it is. I think that, and you know this, Jess, that you and I can agree to disagree on a lot of or some things political. And I think that's okay. I think that when you don't have friends that you can agree to disagree with, you're not living your life right because you can't surround yourself with yes men. You can't have the opinion of every single fucking thing on every single topic. Like you've, you've got to at some point go, no, you see red, I see blue. Or, God, I shouldn't have used that. You, I see white, you see gray. There's got to just be – It's and it's okay. It's okay to have a friend that you love to death to go, we may not agree on that, but we agree on this. And you know what? I may not love you for those thoughts, but I love you for who you are. Like, it's, it's okay to agree to disagree. And I think with, um, with age, that comes as well because I think it – Maybe in your 20s, you might go, well, that person has a specific belief, so I'm just going to fucking X them out of my life. Or I think maybe as you get older, like you and I are, Jess, you know, into those mid-40s, uh, I think that that's when everything kind of changes and you just kind of go, yeah, you know what, I'm, I'm, yeah, I mean, I may not agree on this or that, you know, on, on specific things where you can become more passionate, right? And a lot of people get passionate about things like religion and politics, you know, maybe way more than sports. And that's okay. You know what I'm saying? But it's also okay to agree to disagree. And I think yeah. as long as as long as everybody listening keeps that thought process, you're going to be all right. The, the way the world would be better off immediately i mean from the the time it started to the time it eventually finished at some point in time down the road is if everybody just accepted the fact that you're not going to agree with everyone's opinion and some people's opinions are going to be wildly crazy and just completely out of bounds and sometimes they're going to be opinions that you can catch on with and kind of flow with and, and that's fine if you could just agree like you said agree to disagree but respectfully, yes. Then, yes. then, then the world would immediately be a better place because you could be like, "Whoa, that shit sounds crazy," but you think it's okay, and so I'm not going to hate you for it. I'm just going to move on around you, so we don't have to fight about it. You know what I mean? Mikkel Young, shout out to Mikkel Young. Yes, at, at Mikkel Young on Twitter. We're shouting everybody out today. And yeah. at Al Wallen and B <laughs> Brian. What is Brian again? B Black five five nine. I mean, Mikkel Young and I. Right. You know, we've we have been uh, uh, respectfully and playfully punching each other in the shoulder for the last few days over just oh, I've been political doing it for years with that stuff, guy. You know what I mean? And the yeah, thing is, is this. He can say one thing. I absolutely, with a thousand percent, disagree with everything that he just tweeted at me or whatever. And but at the same time, I don't go back to him and call him a dickhead. I don't go back to him and tell him he's a bigot or whatever. I just say, "Cool, man. Like that's you. You do you. Uh, here's what I think." And then he does the same thing back to me. And then at the end of the day, we both still follow each other. We never threaten each other to like stop. I'm gonna unfollow you. You know who does that? <laughs> you know who does I'm stuff like do. that? Pussies do that. Uh, follow you. <laughs> I'm going to well, unfollow just, you. Just, yeah, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to share with you. I'm going to unfollow right? you. And then We're not I'm going to tweet about on the it. Playground. I'm going to unfollow you. And then I'm, after I unfollow you, I'm going to send a tweet out that says <laughs> goodbye and good night. I just so, 
Uh, you. Yeah, so, 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 to, so close, one more, to, one more to close thing. this oh, down real quick, to close this down, just... Yeah, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. It, I, I, I had a follow-up question, but go ahead. I, you can, we'll, you'll, we'll do the follow-up. Okay. The, uh, the so are you, gonna, are you going to keep majority of your sports takes on the Team Toss account, or are you going to mix it up on your account and then the Team Toss stuff just kind of stays fluid with the show? Yeah, Team Toss stuff will be fluid with the show. Uh, I, 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 what I hope to do is try to, I want team toss. I want that other sports show to be a little bit more interactive for the people that do consistently listen. And we do have consistent listeners. The numbers say that, um, are you, so, cool if I, are you okay if I still hop on, not to interrupt you, of course. Are you okay if I still hop on? The no, team of course, toss? of course. The, 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 the team toss is open for you and I to jump in and, and do things back and forth. Sometimes I, uh... just my, my, my plan for the show. Uh, I mean, we're already halfway through the year, so I'm not sure how much we want to get into it, but I would eventually like to have our first listener or our first guest in like a year and a half. I mean, I would like to have some people on the show here and there talking we back and forth this. with us. I know we yeah, say we it all the time. I would also like to try to get the the team at Team Toss 21 Twitter account to be a little bit more interactive, some polls and stuff like that. And we do that sometimes, but it doesn't traction, get as much hard. waves as we want. Yeah, we exactly. Like a little more waves. So. But I I feel like the more we do the show, and we and and I think that each time we do the show, it sounds a little bit better each time. That's just me. I'm biased because it's our show. Uh, I think that we are gaining some traction. Numbers are showing that as well. Statistics don't lie. That's another thing that don't lie. Science and statistics. I think um, the numbers have always been pretty well. It's, we're like AEW. We have a, a loyal following. It's it's difficult to increase that number. Sometimes it'll go up, and we're like, uh oh, what do we do right? And then, but I, you tell me, Jess. That's what I think because I absolutely never look at the numbers. But that's no, that's that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true because I mean, let's face it, man. Every every Jack and Jill has a podcast. I mean, it's just that that's where we we're at with you know how things are today. Everybody's got a podcast, and so there's probably a million sports podcasts out there. And I'm, I'm my guess is that we're better than a lot of them. Like just yes. you know our knowledge. If the and, numbers, and... if the numbers are there, they must be. Exactly. But I also right? think that. But I also think again, the longevity of our show, with the fact that our show brand has never really changed. We've always kind of done the same thing for ten years. And if if someone listened to Mike and the Mad Dog for ten years, or Jim Rome for ten years, or Mike and Mike for ten years, or you're you you know what's coming, you know what I mean. You you know the. I miss Mike and Mike. Well. Great show. But you know what I, you know what I'm talking. Gold looks yeah. good on the gold looks good on the other on the other stuff. Goldie gold yeah, Goldie's good. Young gold looks good too, yeah. but um. So I I lost train of thought. I think Mike, but you get my point here. Is I think that our loyal listeners are always going to kind of stick around there. And shout out to you guys. Y'all are all over the world. I know we've always had listeners from Mexico to Canada to Japan to Nigeria. To we get the shady Russians. Yeah. Like we just did everybody. Ukrainian. Shout out to anyone listening. Like we love you and we and we thank you. And please let us know that you're listening at Team Toss 21 on Twitter. But yeah, we're going along on the Twitter stuff, so we'll cut it. Yes. But um, that's... that's uh, that's where I'm at, Jess. That's, I'm glad you're back, and I'm glad to see you uh, having some fun, and I'm glad that uh, you're taking more responsibility on the show stuff again because uh, I was 
I was like, oh man, I'm tweeting. I, I don't know if I'm tweeting enough from the show account. I was worried about it. I was like, let me make sure I'm putting links up. That was my whole <laughs> thing. I was like, as long as I'm putting the links up, I think that's important. Let me put let me put my link up and then let me go up and put that show's link up. And then I'd I'd come back to my phone and it'd be like, oh, I got 20 tweets. Like I must have sent a banger out. And it would be like 14 of them from the team toss account and then six of them that were like related to that tweet. So I'd be like, damn. I ain't get no love in this bitch. You know, you know what though? Your tweets are fire. Like you get on these rolls. Thank you. I'm I know. Right I don't know what the you're, fuck's you're, going you're, on. Thank man, you. Man, I'm telling you. So I re- listen. I've been doing this for too long. I don't know why. Why I'm not like getting paid for this shit yet? <laughs> I'm telling you, Hollywood been missing out. I could have wrote like five movies already with all my tweets. Fuck. All right, Jess. Oh, we man. hey, listen. As we said, we stick with the ebb and flow. We have itineraries. And we usually love to start with the mixed martial arts, with combat sports. Jess and I promised we were going to keep this at 15 minutes. I am looking at the time right now. It is 10.45. Let's see if we can do it. Let's start with last weekend. We'll be walking into this weekend. It is Friday. We're taping a little later than we usually do. So shout out if you are listening before the fights, if this gets posted before the fights. It will be. Uh, this, this will be up before before Saturday. We want we want to touch on I, I'm this. Going, I'm going on vacation Saturday night, so we got to – Oh, we no gotta, shit? Yeah. Where are you going? We're uh, heading out to Las Vegas for a few days. So. No yeah. shit. Am I being nosy rosy? Is it you and the family? Is it everybody? Is it you? Uh, just, just me and the woman. Me and the woman. Nice. We're going out. Now you're talking. Now we're fucking talking. Yeah. That's like the stuff me and my wife do. You just get out, do some gambling, do some shopping. Shout out my wife who just sent me like uh, – Two hundred and forty dollars worth of Nike workout shoes from the Vegas ultimate, yes. down there. dude. And there's some, and it's one of those things where it's like they're so like shiny that I don't want to wear them right to the gym. I feel like I got to wear them out two or three times, and then get yo. Them did you tweet? Down. Did you tweet pictures of those shoes because they're fire? I put them on. I put them on on Snap. I put Oof. them on Snap. You saw him on Snap. I did, yeah. I'm very sneaky with the Snap. I put way more on Snap than I do on Twitter, period. So if you're lucky enough to follow me on Snap, then you're able you're you're really able to see the fucking real deal. (laughs) You want to talk about the 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 facade uh, versus what's really cooking? All right, very well. Uh yeah, listen, Bellator, fun last week. Let's start with our boy. Shout out Sergio Pettis. Former contributor, former guest on the show. Jess was just talking about getting some more guests. Sergio Pettis was on here many, many moons ago. Uh, <laughs> he fought and busted ass and looked great. And I thought he won three or four rounds against uh, Pitbull. Uh, won the belt. I think he took the – he defended or won the he one. Did, I, he defended. Round. Looked fucking great doing it through a wicked spin kick. Like – one of those, what is it, Copa fucking wear spin kicks? It was badass. So, uh, uh, amazing body work. Just the, the fluidity. There he goes. Let me get it out of me now. The fluidity within the fight, the strikes, the kicks, the mixing it up. Uh, just kept Pitbull off balance. And they mentioned it multiple times during the fight. The speed was an issue. And uh, Pitbull coming down and Sergio not having to do anything but keeping that speed. In my opinion, that was a real difference for the fight. Jess, any thoughts on this fight? Yeah, uh, Sergio looked great, man. Sergio looked like uh, he looked like primetime Anthony, you know, like uh, in Anthony's uh, prime run in the UFC. Uh, Sergio, uh, he w- he looked fast. He looked quick. He was sharp. His strikes, uh, everything he he pointed to, kind of landed. Uh, uh, Patricio, uh, um, I believe it was Patricio, not Patricky. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I don't want to get him mixed yeah. up. Yeah, well, let's just go with like Pitbull. Uh, That's Pit, what I was Pit, doing. Pitbull, the former longtime champion, he'd been he'd been uh, crowned champion like two or three times in the, in the past, and, and uh, Sergio now kind of liking up and coming. You know, I I believe that Sergio's really his up and coming has kind of been late and later than what I expected. What a lot of us expected. But uh, he has it, really found a groove and a home there in that in the Bellator division right there. Like, and he is the he is the king right now, and he uh, put on quite the display uh, against an aging veteran. And and people will probably point that out. And I think I saw some tweets about it as well. And and Pitbull's definitely been you know long in the tooth and had a lot of fights. Yep, uh, a but, lot of fights in Bellator. But Sergio right now is surging. To you know, paraphrase on that, uh, he like is that. surging and uh, doing really well for himself. He's crown champ right now, and honestly, I think that if you look at that division, there's no one else in that division that can really come up and challenge him much. Uh, he's either gonna, you're either gonna have to see a challenger come up from weight or down, uh, it, depending on if Sergio just stays right there where he's at. But he looked, he looked really fantastic in that fight. I. My fight, my thoughts during this next fight, and I don't know if I tweeted them out or not. I feel like uh, Romero, Yoel Romero, is one of the most entertaining fighters in the last six or seven years. And I don't even know if the fights are good. I just think they're fucking entertaining. Uh, he took on Fedor Protege. Is it Nemkov? Yes. I want to make sure I'm saying that right. Vadim Nemkov. Let me start here. I hate to see Nemkov toiling away in Bellator when he should be fighting Yuri. He should be fighting Jan. He should be fighting all these elite fighters at 205 that are across the pond, if you will. Just give me some thoughts on this fight. Uh, I believe I I believe I remember Yuri smoked him a while back, actually. Really? Yeah. Oh, uh, in Japan? Yeah, somewhere Yuri oh, smoked that him. Was, I think that was that was what maybe two three years ago. Smoked him, right. smoked That's him, left him, left him, lost, left him though, right? sitting, left left him sitting in a in a slump in the corner. Uh, yeah, but right. to go back to to again, that was a that was a different time. Uh, Nimkov again has really found his groove here in the light heavyweight division in Bellator, and um, he's he's uh, the champ for a reason. He looked really good. Yoel Romero. Uh, I think that I don't know what he was doing, man. He should just stay on the juice, baby, because he he came out looking no. he came out looking like a twenty twenty rampage a little bit, you know, like that, know. that big old no. that big old get it out of you, Jess. Let's go ahead and get it out of you because I was gonna tell the same fucking joke. Holy monkey! I mean, no. I I, I see Yol usually he, Joe Rogan literally like orgasms to talking about Yol Romero's body. Like he's like, oh, I've never seen a person with a body like that. Ah. Yoel. Like, Yoel was out there looking like everybody's Puerto Rican uncle on Fourth of July with no shirt on, <laughs> in the stomach out with some tongs, and he's fucking flipping your chicken, and you know the food is gonna be bomb. Yeah, it's gonna be great. He's gonna get drunk doing it while he pours yes. like the. Yo, the, he got a Corona. He got a Corona. No, he got he got uh, a Corona or a Modelo. He got one in two. Months. Goodness gracious! But uh, here's the thing about Yoel Romero is uh, he. He, however, he decided to train or come up for this fight. Like he still took the fight against a very dangerous opponent. And we're used and, to seeing him rocked, at one eighty-five. He rocked Nimkov like two times during that fight. Like once he actually sat Nimkov down, and that just oh. goes to show that whether he's aged out of his, of the profession or he's just like not taking it serious anymore or whatever, 
this dude's god soldier still has dynamite in those gloves. Yep, popping them gloves, both of them. Yep. So that was uh, just a fun fight. He was doing the thing. It was like the 2023 the drunken tank monkey, man. The, the drunken monkey, the tank abbot, where he put his <laughs> he it would look like he was gonna put his hands on his knees to take a deep breath because he was so exasperated. But then he would throw the big right hand and the hook and and I felt like Nemkov was taking the bait for a second to me, which was wild because I'm like, you know, he, you know, he does this every fight, right? Like this <laughs> is the gimmick. He's gonna show you. He's gonna look like he's really tired. He's gonna suck up all the oxygen in the arena, and then he's just gonna let out two just absolute hammers with those fucking fists. But uh, credit to Nemkov who was able to uh, win. He looked good. He was, he, like, he was like, he was like. He was like in Russia. I never seen nothing like this before. He is he is tank. He looked like Puerto Rican uncle. So uh, um, let's uh, let's keep it moving let's here. Go. Uh, oh, real quick, real quick, uh, quick hit on the Bellator card. Phil Davis loses to Corey Anderson. Oh two, God, two that, fight was, that, that fight was so was, mid. That fight was terrible. And what the hell happened to Phil Davis? I remember he Bro. was supposed to be the guy to eventually replace John Jones in light heavyweight division. Big, strong, athletic guy. Oh, my gosh. I took the bait on that fight, and I don't know why. I don't know if I was just Jones in for a fight, but I was excited for that fight. I don't know if they just promoted it right while I was watching the pregame, but I was like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this fight. And Corey Anderson, uh, I don't feel like he's bad. He's, is he just boring? This is not bad. Has he been, but when you fight Phil Davis, I, I feel like even if, if you fought Phil Davis right now, the fight would be incredibly boring. It would go all three rounds, and then there, it would end up in a decision. He, like, I'd have, diff, I'd have difficulty. Nothing, there is nothing that Phil Davis does that's impressive. Not one thing I've ever seen him do. Not in one wow, way. You're one really loss, cutting nothing. him down. You're like, really cutting him down. Davis is the most athletic mid fighter I think I've ever witnessed in my life. I think your fair assessment is to say that there was a moment where the UFC does a great job of promoting their upcoming fighters, their young blue chip guys, and they, you you know reach for wait, how, how do they say it again? Shoot for the stars and land on the clouds. Like I just don't remember Phil Davis getting that like, oh damn, he lost four, five, six fights in a row, so they had to get rid of him. As much as it was just like, all right, he's just not in really entertaining fights. Like he's in. He's in main events that I'm falling asleep in and shit. Like I, don't, I that's that's how I remember Phil Davis. But we're yeah. spending way too much time on that fight. It was absolutely mid. Again, I I was just I I, I drank the Kool Aid. I thought it would be great. I thought it'd be I thought it'd be a banger. It kind of started with a little bit of energy and then it just went fucking. It just was boring. It was bad. Hey, let's talk about let's this this UFC card, please. Uh, last week's UFC. Uh, um, but I don't know how uh, yes, I don't know. So you and I have disagreeing uh, thoughts on this fight. And I want to go ahead and I want to start with yours. What did you think of – I'm not touching any of the other fights. I understand this uh, – what is it? Texarian kid's going to be a star. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, give me your thoughts on Vittori versus Cannoneer. Uh, look, Marvin Vittori, we just got – I just got done trashing Phil Davis for being one of the most yeah. boring – Keep it up. Athletic, boring fighters I've ever watched in my life. Marvin Vittori kind of fills it. He kind of falls into that similar category. He's not necessarily boring. Yeah, so per se. 
Like he's kind of like the start of that fight, certain certain uh moments in that fight, they it was exciting. But Marvin mostly is just a human punching bag. Like he got hit with over 240 strikes. One fight, 240 strikes. I believe Dude. the count was 241 is is how many strikes Jared Kennedy landed. You can uh, he's Marvin Vittori is not a normal human being. Like he he you know he looked like mincemeat afterwards. Yeah, well when you get hit 240 times, it's gonna suck. He still stood up the entire fight. He I don't think that he was necessarily in trouble at any point in time in the fight. Just Cannoneer put a lot of pressure on him and didn't let the pressure off. And Vittori, mm-hmm. again, do, going into punching bag mode, he just kind of walks. He tries to walk through everything to set up certain strikes for himself. And he just never got that opportunity. Uh, Cannoneer's got extremely long, long limbs. He's throwing big, long leg kicks, big, long strikes. And Vittori's kind of a short, stumpy individual. He he is, let's face it. He's not necessarily like, you know, he doesn't have a seven-foot wingspan. He's got very short arms, and uh, he just couldn't walk through Cannoneer's shots. I was just simply surprised that Cannoneer didn't put him to sleep. I mean, with as many shots that Vittori took, and some of those shots yeah. were, they, they looked vicious. Like, he, he was getting hit with some big cannons. Bombs. And for Vittori to stand up the entire time, stand up at the end when he was announced the loser, like, I have to give him props because not many human beings can take a beating like that and still still be standing at the end of it. But at the same time, dude, learn how to block a fucking punch. Duck. <laughs> Move the out the way. in defense. <laughs> Sidestep that bitch. I mean, why are you <laughs> continuously walking into 35 straight punches from a guy who used to fight at the heavyweight division? It was weird, too, because there were moments where he put himself almost, it seemed like he was putting himself against the cage. And I don't mean it like I've seen guys like not the Anderson Silva. I'm going to go lay against the back of the cage and, and try and get you to throw punches so I can counter you. It seemed to me like he was just kind of like, OK, I'm good with fighting more off of the cage, but there were there was never a good result. I gave Vittori the first round, and then every round after that, I mean, Jared just beat the absolute shit out of him. And let me say this. <laughs> I, I know I tweeted it, but I want to get it off here. Kennedy was whooping his ass so badly in that second round, and he was putting out so much energy, swinging so fucking hard, and hitting Vittori square in the motherfucking face. That I was like, there's there's only one of two ways for this fight to end. Either Vittoria's getting knocked out or Cannoneer is going to gas. And uh, Vittoria just did the straight up Homer Simpson defense. He's going to come on fourth, fifth round because he just because he, he just got he can. Uh, that didn't happen. I was wrong on both accounts. Uh, it just it was Cannoneer just continuously beating his ass for four rounds. The second, the third, the fourth <laughs> and the fifth. But the, he, that again. And I know you mentioned the punch output. It was, or the strike output. It was, it was, you know how they say power shots? Sometimes we'll look at uh, stats and they'll put up power shots. And you go like, that looks like a lot, of power, a lot of power shots, but they're not really power shots. They're just something other than a jab. No, that motherfucker yeah. was getting hit with power shots. I mean, no. he, Ducanoneer was peeing off on him. And, I, and I'm looking at Cannoneer in the fifth round still teeing off on him and i'm like i know i know he ain't got i know that cannoneer does not have like pillow punch type 
power. He's got knockout power. It, it's just Vittori's got a fucking chin. He's got a hell of a chin. And I think some of the same happened with Izzy, him against Izzy, but I don't remember Izzy hitting him that hard. I don't remember Izzy just beating him, beating on him like that as much as I was just like, oh, Izzy won all those rounds. Um, that was bad. That was fucking bad. And uh, credit to Vittori, I feel bad for him because he has truly reached that point where he's, I don't think he can beat the, the top three guys. I don't think he could run with the elite, if you will. I think he can, he can beat uh, that four, five, six criteria. He might, he might forever be, you know, the third guy in the division or the fourth guy in the division, but it's, this is it. That's the sailing. You know what I'm saying? I don't. I, don't no, I, I, abs- I absolutely agree with you. Absolutely, hundred uh, percent. The the best is that Izzy loses uh, uh, at some point in time, and one goes of up and wait. defenses, and then goes up and wait, and Vittori can move up a. Actually, try to beat one of those like three, four guys or two, three guys. I mean, I, I, Vittori's got talent. Some maybe it's just a simple. He needs to change training. You know, like, or where he trains, he needs to train somewhere different. It's for for a lot of athletes. A lot of athletes that happens, they they go to a different you know a gym, and then they just become monsters. Uh, but then there's those guys who are just straight focused. Like, I will never leave this gym. This is my home. They never leave, and guess what? They never get better. They're always kind of stuck where they're at. Marvin Vittori needs some kind of change if he wants to absolutely be able to contend for a title in that division. Because that division is, again, full of a bunch of killers. We talked about the 145 division, the 135 division. 70 uh, is that the welterweight division is full of monsters. And Vittori is not just better than any of those monsters. He's actually towards the bottom of that group. If he's to get better and contend for that title, he needs to change something. I want to spend a few moments talking about this week's UFC on ABC. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, I don't want to spend as much time talking about the card itself as much as I want to talk about this is the perfect example of saturation within MMA, but mostly within the UFC. Jesse and I, I feel like we were the first on top of this. We started talking about this years ago, and now I feel like a lot of combat sports shows talk about it. It's, it's a topical thing. Again, we always love to start this conversation, preference it by saying we're all about fighters getting paid. So the more fights, the merrier, right? Uh, What else the hell are you going to do on a Saturday when there is no basketball, when there is no football, right? I mean, you fucking, you a horse race guy, you a golf guy, what are we doing here? But uh, I want to give you just UFC on Fox 1. And this was uh, 12 years ago. Are you ready for this card? <laughs> Let's hear it. The first five fights. Uh, Demarcus Johnson versus Clay Harvison. Okay, you want to say that? That's a throwaway. Ricardo Lamas versus Cub Swanson. I mean, those are Banger. two pretty reputable guys. Dustin Poirier beat Pablo Garza. It's Dustin Poirier. Benson Henderson beat Clay Gita. Ooh. And wow. I'm sure, and I'm sure you remember this, Jess, because this was a big fucking deal. JDS 
beat Cain Velasquez. They put the that's World right. That was title. the first, that was the the main event of the first. Um, I remember watching that. The bit, yeah, everybody does because it was a big deal when they used to put UFC on the regular television on the big networks. Let's fast forward to today's card: uh, Silva versus Allen, Onama versus Santos, Tafa versus Lane. Macy Barber versus Amanda Rebus and the main events Josh Emmett versus Tupuria. This is what we like to call the saturation of MMA. There's no argument here that this card even compares to the cards that they used to put on free television. And when I say free television, I don't mean ESPN because technically you pay for ESPN, right? It's part of your sports package, part of your cable package. Exactly. Free television. I stick the fucking rabbit ears up on my top of my TV. I plug in a fucking digital cable, whatever. I get these three channels for free. ABC is one of them. And this is what they're giving us. I don't feel we should be spending time talking about this card. And that's not the disrespect to the fighters because the fighters, again, we want them to see get, we want them to get paid. But this isn't a superstar card. This isn't what the UFC should be producing on free television. This is like a... This is not a Monday Nitro card, you know what I mean? This is like, a, this is like their Thursday night card, you know? This, this feels is, this like... Is a, this feels like an event that they would have in the UFC Apex on a random Saturday afternoon that you would watch on ESPN+. Plus. Just yeah. like all the just like the 30 other ones that they put on in the 52 weeks during the year. I mean, if, if you look at this card, you can you can make you can make the judgment call that they're trying to bring some up and comers because the UFC for the last, I'd say probably six to seven, eight, maybe even eight years, six to six years, years has really been struggling to find and replace aging and retired superstars. So maybe what they're looking for, but to Puria to dominate, look spectacular and make his mark on his young UFC career here against Josh Emmett or vice versa with Josh Emmett, who's been in the, he's been in the fight game for a little bit longer, but has been trying to make his mark uh, in the women's division. Macy Barber just came off of a huge, uh, a few months back or whatever. Now uh, she's looking to stop Amanda Rebus. Amanda Rebus is also an up and comer. So maybe this is just one of those let's produce type cards. But then if you're the casual fan, just, you know, you're give me the knockouts, give me the blood, you know, kind of fan. This fight card is not, it, it's going to be m- 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 mid. It's going to be very light on the action. There's not going to be a ton of stuff that happens. And even if there is a knockout, you're going to struggle for three minutes Googling their name to try to figure out who they are. That's, that's this fight card. Next weekend, they're doing <clears throat> Sean Strickland versus Magnamoth. Why they couldn't have moved that to this week? That's a fucking big fight. Even if Magnumov just mows through Strickland, which um, which which I'm gonna guess he will. That's that's a big fight. That's a that's a perfect fight for ABC. You put on Strickland, he goes out there, he's a heel talking shit. You put on Magnumov, he comes out there, he fucking wipes out the heel. You get you you get you you build the stars. That's how you build your stars. This to me, it just. It's sad to me. God, I don't want to say sad because it's not sad. But to me, it just it shows me that the UFC is 
fine with where they are at, which is stagnant. Where is the progression? This should have some stars, a star, one star, any stars. Where are the fuck is the, where's the star power? Where, who is the draw? There's none. Give, you've got to give people the reason to tune in on Saturdays other than oh, the, well, the UFC's. No, who's fighting? Fuck, I don't know. No, this is ABC. Yeah. This is the fucking uh, Sugar Ray Leonard fought on ABC. What are we doing? All right. That's my take. That's my, that's my saturation take, Jess. That's all I got. The, the, the card itself is mid. I don't even care. You want to like, you wanna talk I, about the main event? We can talk about the main event. I, I don't. Tapiria and Emmett. So. I, I, it's tricky because I, I, to me, it kind of seems like a 50 50 fight. Tapiria could. Uh, Give him fits like a mother standing. Emmett could probably give him fits grappling, but I don't think Emmett likes to grapple anymore. God, I didn't know Tapiria was undefeated. Oh, maybe there is some drawing power here. I just thought 145ers. Like, yeah, 145ers. Uh, I'm going to Tapiria knockout round three. Yeah, I, I, I actually like where you went with Emmett's uh, strategy. He should look for the takedown, he's going to be the superior grappler. Uh, but I feel like over his last four or five fights, he's gotten a couple big knockout wins. So he's now he's feeling like he's a stand-up knockout artist. I don't believe that he he's uh, particularly great in standing up. I think he's got enough, obviously, to stand for a few. But uh, Tapiria, Tapiria is the uh, the more dominant stand-up striker. And if Emmett decides to make this a, a stand-up fight, Tapiria will allow it completely because he will dominate this fight and he will most likely win. I'm going to say knockout round two. I'm going to go knockout round two. Yeah, I almost want to change it to round to round two as well. But I, to Josh's credit, I think that he is a um, dog. And he is when this does turn into bite down on the mouthpiece fist fight time, um, Josh is going to test him. Josh could possibly ch- uh, test Tupuria's chin. Like, if he rocked and knocked him out, it wouldn't surprise me. I just, I don't think it happens. I think Tupuria's no. really good. And Tupuria's never really been hit real super hard, like, in a fight. Because it was so... one fight I saw that he was in trouble for a moment. Yeah. And, and, and if, if, it, if there's any fighter in that division that can really give pretty much anybody in that division a fit, it's Josh Emmett. Emmett's, uh, yeah. you know, like you said, he is a dog. He's all around, you know, grappling he's got some striking i think he's even he's been able to throw some submission stuff in here and there yeah his wrestling's great but he relies yeah. on his striking because he gets hard as fuck yeah yeah it's it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a it's gonna be a decent it's gonna be a decent main event fight but not but not the kind of fight you is want it, for is it worth going out of your way on a saturday night when hashtag aew collision is on but whatever else in the fuck is going on you're having dinner with your wife you're fucking going to a baseball game with your kids you're fucking Throwing the f- doing shit with your family, which you usually do on a Saturday night, as opposed to, oh shit, Cain Velasquez is fighting Junior Dos Santos for the World Heavyweight Title on free TV. In their primes, we gotta fucking <laughs> find a way to watch this. We, I almost feel like every combat sports fan remembers where they were when they watched that fight. I do. Yeah, I do. I do. All right, Jess. Well, fuck. I got the NBA draft up. What are we doing? You want to talk first few picks Ooh. here? Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk uh, one through three, because uh, Jay, you you are the basketball guy, so I think that you'll have a different take on this. But for me, I feel like the NBA draft is different talent wise than the NFL draft. The NFL draft, you can find 
you know, your first top 10 picks legitimately starting somewhere with their new yep. team the next season. In yep. the NBA, it's much different. So they, they allow these players a little bit more time. You know, they come off the yeah. bench, they go to a D league, they go to, you know, and, and eventually if they're good enough and they really are that good, they'll, they'll eventually sit, sit and stay in the league for a very long time. So the top three to top five picks are typically the guys that if they fail, it's just horrible scouting on some franchises, you know, part. Or injuries. Most, or it's, there's, it, you know, there's a multitude of things that could happen, but I'm just saying if the guy stays healthy and he ends up sucking, then it's just the franchise jumped too soon and they didn't do their homework. And so, you know, that, that shit happens. And with the way the league is now, especially in the NBA, because the NFL doesn't really have this, but the NBA has the G League. They have, you know, they have another uh, uh, up and coming type promotional they league. Do some, they do summer league. Then they, they do summer league and stuff. They, and they, there, there's well, all the there's the 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 uh, mir- like mural of uh, you know international international teams. I mean, that's where a lot of these guys came from too. A lot of these guys came from international. One million percent. Teams, so. That this, this is where and. While I agree with what you're saying, I think that the, it's shifting now. I think it that is. I think that the lottery picks are always going to be the lottery picks, right? And then after your lottery picks, you're kind of uh, swinging and hoping you yes, can you here. You're kind of hoping you you know a guy drops. Well, why did he drop? Well, maybe maybe he cleaned that up, or maybe the injuries are healed now. Or there's there's always certain guys, right? Who's uh, who's kid that dropped last night that I was hoping Cam Whitmore? He was right there for the Warriors to take, and instead they just they took another fucking shooter. But uh, yeah, let's start <laughs> with the top three. You know, I hate to pat myself on the back again, but I don't know whatever it was a month or six weeks ago, right when we were doing our draft lottery show, I said, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the Spurs end up with that pick because. They, they would do uh, uh, Miyama. I gotta get used to saying this This is like Giannis Remember for the first like two years Jess we just refused to say Ankatutupo which I still can't say right Because we yeah, were just like We just like we just we can't butcher this guy's name And then they just, just Giannis or Greek, the, the Greek freak we're just The like, Greek yeah, freak well, yeah. Yeah, the Greek freaks out there in Milwaukee You gotta watch out for that fucking guy um, we, we were just avoiding the name Uncle. I feel like I'm saying it the same way Big Perk tries to say it, Uncle Kantupo. But uh, yeah, Wimbimyama. This kid's uh, he's played in the French leagues, so he's played against adults. He's been playing against uh, people that have like uh, you know, they smoke during halftime, and they probably fucking uh, have, take some shots before the game. They're like grown a glass of wine, you know. A little fuck glass, a little vino, never hurt. You know, get the fucking blood flow rolling here, get the sweat rolling. Um, I, you know, it's so weird when I'm watching all these preview shows and they're like, no, this guy could possibly be the best pick in any sport in the last 20 years. And I'm like, damn, really? That's like saying some shit. Um, yeah, I think, uh, when it comes to these really, really thin guys like this, Jess. I got to give them three years. I really do. I got to see them bulk up. I got to see them get on those NBA diets. I got to see their bodies transform. I just got to see them grow into that frame. You you cannot play in this league 80-something games with that type of frame and, and think you're going to be healthy at 28, 32 minutes a night. Your knees are going to fail you. Your, fucking, your ankles are going to get rolled all the fucking time. Um, and at some point, 
you're going to play against grown ass men with that country boy strength and they're like gonna Jokic. and they're going to hit you in the chest and you're going to go god damn you know what i mean here when you get hit in the chest by uh, a Draymond Green when you get hit in the chest by Otto Porter Jr. or like one of these guys that just has just you know fucking Julius Randle just like oh that's grown man strength that's going to be different that's something that and i know you can say, well, he plays against guys like that in France. Um, maybe they're body types, but but it's just it's different. It's just a different game, and he's gonna he's going to have to adjust quickly. I think we really should be pumping the brakes on the expectations and go. All right, so if he goes fourteen and eight and two his first year, is that a is that a failure? I don't know. I got to see. The progression in three years, and that's really where I'm at. The great news is he's with a fantastic franchise that'll fatten him up and get him in the gym and, and put some put a put him under a fucking bench, like our boy Joshy will be fucking hitting some dumbbells, and he'll tighten all that shit up and he'll get a little stronger. So uh, when when you hear those expectations, Jesse, what do you think? You think they're fair? You think they're a little high? I'm, I'm sure you're hearing and reading some of the same shit I am. No, no, definitely. I mean, it's, it's all over the news, and and he was going to be the projected, and and he obviously ended up being the San Antonio Spurs. I think this. Uh, I I agree that the Spurs is a great franchise. I think that they're going to do well with him. Their their training staff and their coaching staff is is uh, always on par or above the with the standards of the league. And uh, Greg Popovich is one of the all time greats, if not some people would argue the greatest if not the greatest head coaches of all time and uh he's always managed to coach some of the greatest players in and you can go back to david robinson who was the number one overall selected pick out of i believe it was mm-hmm. or Na- uh, navy yeah. navy navy was thank you uh and then he ended up going off and serving a, another couple of years with military before he came back to the league that's fine he, he ended up being uh you know a pro a pro basketball hall of famer and then Duncan phase, which was not much, you know, uh, it was the the year or two before David Robinson left. Now you have another big man, and then uh, Tim Duncan goes on to be one of the all-time, some people think he's top five greatest of all time, just players, uh, which can be argued. Tim Duncan was a great, great, fantastic player. And now you have uh, Victor Wimbenyama, and he has such high expectations. If he would have went to the Washington Wizards, I think the if you would have went to the Sacramento Kings, I think the Detroit expectations Pistons. are lower. He goes to the team that has selected David Robinson, NBA Hall of Famer, Tim Duncan, NBA Hall of Famer, and now in the same position that he will be playing, that power forward center spot, for Greg Popovich and the San Antonio Spurs, Victor Wimbignana. And he is – that's where these expectations are coming from, really. I mean, the media is just looking back into into. And damn, well, they had David Robinson, they had Tim Duncan, they had all, all these guys. Now they have Victor. So uh, my problem is this. I love the three-year rule that you have, especially when they don't play uh, local here in the States college. He played in France. And I love international play. I love you guys all out there in France and Germany and Russia and Brazil. Oh, yeah, I love you guys. Listeners. But uh, let's face it, the not the same as here in the states. 
I bet you we could find a, a five-man pickup league team from fucking – Oh boy! Throw them into a, a a game versus the international France team, and I they may not lose, they may not win, but they ain't gonna it's lose gonna by much. It's gonna be competitive, is what you're it's saying. It's gonna be competitive. I'm telling you right now. So, uh, the the competition level is different. It's a different level of competition. Coming to the states, playing against what Jay considers the big boys, he's gonna be playing against the big boys. These these are guys who muscle up each and every game, and each team has kind of like that defender dream. Years has been the Warriors defender, and and when you take on guys like that who aren't afraid to put an elbow in your sternum, or put a shoulder into your midsection, or chop you out from underneath your legs when you're up in the air, you have to you have to be aware of this stuff. This stuff happens. We all see it all the time. Uh, I concerned about his size. He's seven four, two hundred and forty pounds. I don't know how much more weight you really want to put on this man's frame before he's kind of useless because now he's pudgy and doesn't run up and down the court as well. Uh, B-Dub, uh, his specialty is shooting, not so much his inside game. And so I think the Spurs will come up with plays to kind of put him into positions to shoot the ball mid-range. Like little, he's got a little jumper, uh, you know, about 15 feet away. It's real nice. He's got a nice little baby hook that he uses before. So I hope the guy's got a little hook shot. Uh, but overall, I think, you know, three to five years window is going to be uh, a good telling point for where he's at. Let me, let's do a quick over under with his uh, points per game rookie year. I'm going to go 16 points per game rookie year. You go over or under? Under. Yeah, that's, even 16 feels kind of high, but I feel like that's, that's probably where he's going to be, where he's at, right around 14, 15. 16 might be high. But who knows? Maybe 16 isn't. I mean, he's going to get shots. Also, he shoots threes, so it's not like a traditional big where you're like, oh, he's only getting shots up and around the basket. Now, maybe Pop goes, nah, fuck that. You're not shooting threes. You will cross that bridge when we get there. But um, over under rebounds feels easy, right? It's got to be good for at least eight rebounds a game by accident, right? Yeah, I would. Uh, the the rebounds, uh, I would say. If I said an eight and a half. Over, yeah, the over on the yeah. I'm I'm nine, nine, I mean eight, eight nine, nine ten. Eight nine ten sounds really good right there. Let's spend a few moments talking about two and three here. I know three raised a little bit of controversy More exciting last picks. night. I know. Hey, listen. I know. Uh, two raised a little controversy last night. I think he was part of some type of uh, illegal activity. I don't know if he was around a shooting or what was going on here. But uh, this kid, Brandon Miller, wanted to highlights. He's got good height. He's got more of that two-three guard body with the way the league plays. You can easily see him playing a three. Um, shoots well. Shoots a three well. Uh, I think he's going to be a good. Slash great player. I'm not sure if he's going to be all-star caliber, but I think he's going to be good slash great. You got any thoughts on Brandon Miller? Yeah, I um, living close to the Portland area, uh, I was for my my. Mm-hmm. I really wanted the Portland Trailblazers to be able to take Brandon Miller with the third pick, and I was hoping that Scoot Henderson would go to the the Hornets with the t- second pick. That did not happen. The Hornets are getting a fantastic player in Brandon Miller. He's definitely one of those stretch wing type guys. He plays defense. He can rebound and he can score. He, he, I think he averaged close to 20 points a game 
with uh, Alabama. Uh, mm-hmm. I know that he had some off-court issues that people were worried about, but obviously they weren't worried about it that much because the Hornets made him the second pick of the draft. So, I mean, <laughs> the kid's getting paid. Uh, I, I know that he interviews kind of funny. Like, if you listen to his he's not the most well-spoken guy. He's a little immature. I, I, a little immature. Yeah, a little immature. I believe, was it Brandon Miller who said that uh, his, his goat of – Paul George or something like his, that. Yeah, his he... his game, his game, it, it's a very Paul Georgey, and yeah. with the size, that makes sense. But but and let me so... see. He, it's tricky because he said his goat. So if he's saying yeah, he did say my, his goat. my goat, my favorite player of all time is, yeah. is this guy. I think that I think that that I don't know if he's necessarily saying you know, hey Shaq and fuck Kobe and LeBron and, and Jordan ain't shit. As much as he's just saying, yeah, this, this, that's I my guy. That's my guy. That's my guy. But you know, he just he said go. But yeah, didn't again in an interview. Well, he didn't. didn't he's, a, he's a little immature, a little bit. But that's okay. I'll tighten that up. I don't even know if I, I the stuff that I was reading too. I guess uh, he was he was talking with Jordan, and Jordan was worried about some of the immaturity stuff. But then he sat down with Jordan, and Jordan was like, "Nah, he's the guy." So. Let's do a little bit of Portland takes here. I actually love the Portland stuff. I tweeted this, Jess, by the way, and I know you saw it here because you're back on Twitter again. Um, I, I said, Zion's not getting traded and Dame's not getting traded, okay? There's a lot of fucking smoke. It's a lot of first take and these fucking uh, these television shows just like us, not having football, not having live basketball to lean on, so we're just going to make up some preposterous takes and see if any of it happens. Um, Lillard didn't get moved. I saw some of the Portland uh, Blazers fans' tweets were more like, what kind of move are we making? Scoot can't be it. Uh, it, it seems like they've got a crowded backfield now there. I don't want to say backfield, but 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 a guard situation there, Jess. Give me some thoughts. Okay, so again, original thought was the hope was that Brandon Miller would fall. That way we could – Pair him with Shaden Sharp, who mm-hmm. uh, really came on strong late last season. I'm a big Sharp uh, guy, by the way. Um, I think I thought that Sharp and, and Miller would have made a fantastic combo, uh, given the fact that they're both similar in size and skill set. Uh, except uh, I Sharp, is but uh, anyway, the fact that you have Anthony Simons and you just signed him to a pretty big deal. Uh, you just signed Dame, who's still under contract for the next three years, so you, he can't leave on his own accord. It has to be through a trade. Um, and, and then, and then you go, you make your pick of Scoot Henderson, who don't get me wrong, uh, Henderson is a phenomenal player. I think that he may be the steal of the draft. This kid could be, you know, one of those perennial all-star, you know, type players just year after year after year. He's going to be putting up 24, 25 a game. I keep hearing the Westbrook. I I think that the Westbrook comparison is fantastic. I think that he's that type of player. I think that he's a little bit more careful with his shot selection than than Russ. In that style. I think that Scoot, again, Scoot Henderson is a fantastic player. I just don't know where he fits in on the Blazers' offense. Dame, Anthony, and then himself, and then all the you know you got Jeremy Grant who plays. I mean, so it's a it's definitely a crowded backcourt, and uh, there's there's no way I see it working unless you start making some more moves. And I think that Portland will be doing that. I just don't know what the moves are. Yeah. Initial move, 
you move Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant, if you move Jeremy Grant, it's something like a $25, $30 million off the books if you can move him in some sort of trade. Uh, uh, Nurk, I believe that Nurkic needs to be gone. I believe that he's not the guy. Uh, I believe the Denver Nuggets. Take that horse out in the backyard and put a bullet in his head. Put a bullet in his head, put him out the pasture. The the Denver Nuggets decided that the Denver Nuggets decided that they were wrong. They picked the wrong Serbian first, the right one, and they traded off the other one. And so now Portland came across him and said, "Hey, maybe we got the right Serbian." And no, we did not. He is Arvidas Sabonis. He's nowhere close, and he's definitely not in uh, Nikola Jokic's range. He's He's good sometimes. He's very inconsistent, and he now has he's a older. pretty big contract attached to him. You have to be able to get rid of that that money. Um, so if those moves can't be made for veterans at like that min that veteran minimum deals, um, you have to maybe package Anthony Simons. Simons last year, I believe, averaged oh, somewhere boy. around twenty three, twenty four. He definitely showed promise. He's very young. I think last year was just his second year in the league, so he had a lot of up-and-coming left to do. And with that being said, I think that you can get a nice, pretty package of a deal for Anthony Simons. You get rid of Anthony Simons, yet you now have the bigger guard in Scoot Henderson. Guard and Dame, they can play the backcourt. They're a little bit different in play style. And then you pair him with Shaden Sharp and then whoever else, maybe Jeremy Grant and Nurk, that's your starting five. Uh, the last thing you do if you're the Portland Trailblazers, and this I think definitely needs to be thought over in the franchise, is you trade Dame. Uh, a Damian Lillard trade means you get a ton of, of draft comps, uh, comp. It, it, you will manage to possibly get a semi-aging superstar out of that trade. You could possibly get a couple of mid-range guys that come over and just contribute out of that trade. More importantly, you get rid of close to $50 million mm-hmm. on the books. And then you and have be more next year and money. more the following year. And then you have a shit ton of money to play with in the following months in free agency. And then if you want to preserve that money, you wait till next year when free agency hits names come up and you can actually pay them to come to Portland and hopefully contend with the likes of Scoot Henderson and Shaden Sharp. I know you have a lot of Blazers homies and I also know that you are part of a hoops chat that you and I talk about. Yes. Uh, where do your Blazers homies fall on this? Do they agree with this? Thing? They absolutely are hated they 50, the 50? Are they fifty? So, they, they, so, hated, no. they hated the draft. They're they're but, uh, they're literally and no. one of the text messages that that I got was like, I I want Cronin's head on a plate. I love that. No, but no, but I'm asking about trading Dame. Where are they oh. at with trading Dame? Um. Yes. No. Or maybe fifty fifty. No, no one wants to trade Dame. But I, I think that. after the draft happened, I think that it all became a little bit more inevitable that it's going to happen. Wow, I can't believe you think that. No, I think that uh, Portland's just going to fuck it up, and they're not going to get a, a valuable piece. They are and a terrible you know, franchise. Someone's name that I want to say, who Clint Capella. Man, if I were them, I would be trying to trade Nurkic because I heard Clint Capella was on the market. Take Nurkic, take Simons, which, which I, I don't know if I want to trade any of these fucking young guards because Dame is getting long in the tooth. But I understand I have to give value to get value. So let me get rid of these two guys, and I'll give you a two for one. 
and gimme gimme Clint Capella. And all of a sudden we've got a big athlete, a big a, a fucking uh DeAndre Jordan 2.0 that can get to the basket and is our big and can rebound and we can put a bunch of shooters around. And all of a sudden I yeah. feel like they and I and I said this during the playoffs. When the Hawks looked great, it was because Clint Capella was fucking balling. And he was he was having incredibly high percentage shooting games because he was getting a lot of oops, he was getting a lot of putbacks, and he was getting a lot of fucking two you know two to five foot little bunny hops over smaller defenders, and he was working them. So if I was Portland and and I heard Clint Capella was available, I pick up that phone and say, "What can we fucking figure out here? How do we wrap this up?" That's what I think Portland is missing. I don't think they're missing unless they can find a way to get like a real stretch three. I think they're mess. They're missing a great, a big, and they're clearly. You know, I think the thing that sucks for Portland right now is I would assume every phone call they try and make and say, "Hey, who's available?" The return serve is, I don't know. We don't. What do you want for Dame? You know yeah, what I and I. No, 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 no. We don't want to trade Dame. No, we're not calling it. That fucking GM is probably calling teams and going. Hey, I want to I want to preference this phone call by saying we're not trading Dame. So don't fucking try and throw anything. You know, don't even. I'm gonna hang up on you if you even bring up uh, uh, fucking trying to trade for Dame. But we got this young guard. We got this. We can package this. What do we do? How do we do this? Um, well, and, and it was what, just to butt in for a second. The funny part was is that the reports from last night were that teams were willing to either trade up to to acquire Scoot Henderson with the number three pick. And then after Portland picked him with the number three pick, there were more reports saying of multiple teams calling, asking for trades for. And so the fact that they don't want to let him go, that tells me that there's something coming up on the horizon that most likely be me at the end of Dame. That's crazy. Well, the, you can go one, two punch with him and Dame with, you know, and again, they're interchangeable these days. Shooting guards don't necessarily need to be six five, six seven, even though you'd want them to be. Um, God, that's tricky, man. We're spending a decent amount of time talking about. This. I, I just want to. So, if you want to do a quick reference, Warriors did right. They went. They got. You know, they drafted Curry. They drafted Clay. Uh, they already had some shooters that were on the bench. You know, they could interplace. They they got they had Draymond they had so they, their pieces were like let's just make our team such a high scoring offense it's going to be almost impossible to beat us because no one can stop you know all three or four of our shooters if that's the the if that's what the Portland Trailblazers are trying to do it's going to not work because Dame is not Steph. Anthony is not Clay yeah. and you know what I mean these these shooters are not well, as good. You, team well, they're not, uh, but uh, Jess, let me tell you this too. The re the problem is this: when you're going, we have are do you truly have shooters or do you have scores? Because I think that there's a there's a big difference. Now you can be That's a true. scorer, but that doesn't necessarily mean you can shoot like a Steph or a Clay. And there's a reason that they've been so good for so long is because those two guys can fucking shoot. And then at some point, Steph went in the last few years. Steph went. Now I'm going to just be a scorer and start getting to the basket, getting to the free throw line more. Even those MVP years, it was, you could say he was just a shooter, not necessarily more of that Reggie Miller. And now during these last playoffs, even seeing him going to the basket like crazy and the pick and rolls and shit like that. So I think Portland's problem is 
you can't look at that uh, blueprint and go, we're going to try and do the same thing. You got to put some bigs in there and mix it up. Uh, let me say this. When you talk about young teams building through the draft, there's three teams right now I'm looking at that I go, okay, these teams are going to be really good in the next few years. Sacramento, uh, Detroit, who drafted well last night, and now they're just fucking loaded with And if Wiseman can figure it out there, they're going to be loaded. And uh, OKC, which I mean, of course, everybody already knows. They, they just have so many good young talent players because they, you know, all they're, they've just been hitting on those fucking picks. It reminds me a lot of the Celtics when the Celtics got those picks, whatever it was, it feels like 10 years ago. And they hit on Tatum and they hit on Brown and they hit on Smart and they hit on somebody else. They were just hitting on picks and, and, it, and it worked out long term. They may not translate to championships, but it definitely translated to them winning. Um, I'm interested in seeing what Portland does, Jess. We, let me get my CP3 take on here because you mentioned yes, the Warriors here. I'm and interested I'm in this because I, I'm worried about the Warriors. And let me say this because I think that we had an opportunity here if we were going to trade Jordan Poole to get a big to maybe get listen, Clint Capella again. Where the fuck is he at? Why can't we get like maybe because Atlanta doesn't want another streaky shooter like like Trey they already got one there they got two there technically if you want to count the other Murray but I um uh, I'm I'm not torn on this I spent about 24 hours on this right it's been about 24 hours since this since this trade went down and uh you know the myriad of of uh of emotions if you will. If you could start, Jess, by just removing that uh, podcast we did like six, seven weeks ago, where I just absolutely ripped CP3 a new one. <laughs> greatly, pre- greatly appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I yesterday when the trade happened, I put my bias to the side. I put my absolute haterism for CP3 to the side. And anyone that's listened to this show for the past eight to ten years you know that I've picked on CP3 because I've just been tired of him being compared to Steph when Steph is clearly the better guard. Um, but I look at I look at now and go, all right, what what does he do better than Jordan? Does he defend better? Yes. Does he have a higher basketball IQ? Yes. Does he turn the ball over the way Jordan did? No. Do I trust him a little bit more in the playoffs? Well, I mean, cross that bridge when we get there with CP3. But <laughs> we we spend a lot. I, I've seen a lot of tweets the last 24 hours. Jordan was so valuable in the playoffs. Well, not this year. This year he was a fucking liability. And last was, year, yeah, was... and last year, people forget how good Andrew Wiggins and Looney were down that stretch. And yeah, Poole had some great games in the playoffs. I'm not trying to discredit him. But when you look at those final games, it was Wiggins. If you remember at the end of those finals, Jess, we were going, well, yeah, Steph's going to be the finals MVP. But man, Wiggins put up a fight. You see what he did on defense. You see what he did in game here. So to me, it's a, I don't agree with the, well, we're, we're, we're losing per se. And plus the reality is, he wasn't getting along with his teammates anymore. There's a reason he got punched in the fucking face before the season started. And then you start hearing, of course, after the fact, it's always after the fact, you start hearing, well, maybe he didn't get along with Steph the way that he did the first few years. Or maybe Clay was irritated with them. 
I think a lot of people kind of saw that. Like, I felt like the writing was on the wall if you watched enough Warriors games. And I'm not even talking about the playoff games. I'm just talking about throughout the season. There were just, you know, I hate to say weird vibes, but there were just some weird vibes when it came to, to Jordan. And I look at those, you know, I look at that Lakers loss, you know, that game one where Jordan had a chance to, uh, what was it, tie the game or win the game, and he just shot a really irrational shot. And this was, and this was with him being just stinky that game or that that playoff run. And I just wonder if that was it. I just wonder if that was it. I wonder if they started shopping him, even though Dunleavy said, because now Dunleavy being this new GM. I don't know if Dunleavy was playing poker and saying, no, we're actually not going to trade him at all. And they trade him two days later or whatever it was. But I wonder if they shopped him. I, you know, of course, Jess, we can do reckless speculation. I wonder if they shopped him and they weren't getting any buyers because it's a combination of, yeah, he's a little sporadic. And yeah, you guys overpaid him. You guys paid him a shitload of money. And it came a point where we just went, all right, we want to bail on him. And we want to find numbers that match. And if the CP3 thing doesn't work out after a year, we can cut them. And it's not like Jordan Poole, where we're stuck with them for another three years. We're technically only stuck with that, you know, the contract, if you will, for one year. And I think that's where the Warriors' thought process went. Now, does he play more of a slower style of basketball? Yeah, of course he does. I mean, how many times in that Sun in these Sun series was he just kind of loafing? You know, where he was he wasn't running up the court. He wasn't running. He wasn't running. He was just kind of loafing up the court. That's his game now. Will that work when the Warriors run fast breaks? No, but I think they'll be all right without him because they've got other guys that can still break. When CP3 is going to be valuable is when they're in those half courts because he doesn't need to be fast. He can still pass his ass off and he still has high IQ and he's still going to, and he is going to be able to see the guys that maybe Draymond or Wiggins can't see because he just has that ridiculous basketball IQ and point and true point God. I also to go back to the defense thing, Jess, how many times during those Suns games we really just watched him poke balls out and irritate whoever he was defending and just and just find ways to talk to the referees and then all of a sudden he's at the free throw line four fucking times in a row. Like he's just he's that savvy vet that the addition by subtraction works for me as a Warriors fan. Now Within 15, 20 games, if he's having shitty games, will I be slamming my hat on the ground and running to the Twitter machine to throw him under the bus? Of course. But uh, <laughs> but right but right now we celebrate. Right now I'm enjoying it, and right now I'm seeing the I'm seeing way more positives than I am negatives, and therefore I'm 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 happy with the trade. And I think that you should. I think that should be okay with this uh cp3 doesn't come with a hefty price tag no he actually does uh, but it's tradable but it but it but it equals out what they were paying pool so it's not like oh we're bringing but, but like you said it's an easier cut the bait and run at the end of the year than with jordan Poole. exactly yeah, yeah. uh the other thing is this uh 
it, for the longest time, uh, Steph Curry has been point guard slash shooting guard slash bring the ball up the court slash move the ball, have the ball in his hands. Maybe this breathes some new life into Steph, who we saw last year. Really just he had the ball so much. I feel like he just kind of deflated towards the end, especially towards the end of the uh, of the playoff series. Oh, uh, I, he just – he was so tired. Now, maybe you do switch your style of offense up to kind of slow things down a little bit more, allows play to run their screens and, and, you know, runs off of screens and allow Chris Paul to just deliver the ball. Let's not forget that Chris Paul was not terrible last season. He had a pretty decent season again, because he's a, he's a consummate professional. Like you said, he's a savvy vet who knows his way around the court. He knows his way around the referees. And most importantly, like a Draymond Green, he can get under the skin of players on the opposite team, throw them off their game. And he is a good defender in his own right. He does have those stubby little arms, but he manages it all the time. And, you know, he just – he plays a very, uh, you know, like swarming style of defense that it's either going to work or he's the, the offensive player is going to get around him quick. But I think having CP3 changes the dynamic, but not in a bad way. So, Warrior fans, please put your pitchforks down. Changes it in a better way, and it allows Steph and Clay more time to play off of the ball than having the ball because – you have a true-to-life point guard running your offense. And when you want to run it up and down the court, you take Chris Paul out. You put Steph back in or you put in one of your other younger guards that you have on the team, and then you play a little run and gun. Now you can mix things up a little bit. I think it's a good it's a good win for Golden State. It's not a championship run type move. Oh, it's but it's definitely it's but to me it's a stay in the hunt move. So and, and- what this is up, it frees up space for years down the road. I, I this is so it's interesting because I'm like, here's where I'm at. Much like the Portland fans that you're in the chat with, I get I'm getting a lot of there's one more move to be made. There's one more move. Well, I, I would have assumed they would have made it last night. I would have assumed they would have drafted that Whitmore kid because now all of a sudden you've got a, a young, big. They could possibly replace Draymond in two or three years because he because clearly we're at the end of the fucking road here. The wind the window is officially shutting here, um, so we have to start looking to the future. Um, but I think the Kuminga thing is going to be interesting because if if they unlike Portland, where you go, yeah, we got a lot of young guards, we can we can dangle. I think the Kuminga thing is is a little different because I think. All it takes is one team to go, no, we actually think that guy could be an all-star. No, we actually think that we could build a, a franchise around that kid. No, he's 23. Yeah, like we, He's way too fucking young. Imagine how good he's going to be in the next seven to ten years. Um, I, I, I think that there's still a play there to be made for Kuminga, but I also like the idea of going – well, maybe CP3 can make Kuminga a little bit better just by proxy because he's always made the bigs around him better. Maybe he's able to turn him into the second time Deontay Jordan's been mentioned on the show. Maybe he can turn him into more of that, you know, lob city 
DeAndre Jordan type where we don't need you, Kuminga. Excuse my dog. He's barking at his, at his bone. Um, we don't need you to shoot threes. We don't need you to shoot 17, 20-foot jumpers. We need you three to five feet from the basket just being athletic as fuck and rising up and, and taking oops or putting or getting them put backs in, you know, spectacular dunk back fashion. We shall see, Jess. Let's just let's just make a trade right now. Portland and Golden State. We trade you Anthony Simons. You give us uh, Kaminga. No, because then we have too many guards. We have the same problem that you have, and I don't want you, that. You 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 have two aging guards, actually three. Yeah. Bringing yeah. Anthony Simons. Uh. I like the idea of the new potential death lineup. Even though you just said we're not a playoff team, or not we're not a fi- we're not a championship team, but you run CP three. Steph, Clay, Wiggins at the four, and Draymond at the five, and interchange. You can interchange Looney. You can interchange Clay when he's being really bad with CP3, even though that would hurt his fucking feelings. Um, or you can interchange Wiggins when he's bad with Clay. There's some moves there, Jess. There's there, there's there's some pieces. I'm interested in seeing what happens. I, I, I like the the people in your chat saying the Golden State's like one. They're one move away from being a contender. Still, I'm not saying they're. I just to me, if I look at that Golden State team as it is right now, you guys are definitely in the hunt. You're a playoff team, uh, but you're you're being challenged still by some of these younger up and coming teams. I mean, you know, the, you some know, of these teams you, are going to be able to run. You can't. Run game. You can't, we're not better than Denver. It's impossible to say anyone's better than Denver right now. I don't know if we're better than LA right I, now. I think that you're better than LA, or you're you're in the, you're, in the mix, you're 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 in the mix with LA because I think LA they okay. did. They did way too. They did way better last season than they should have. I think that Golden State, L.A., Sacramento, some of these teams are in that. They're in that range. Uh, the top teams, the elite teams in the Western Conference, are, are obviously your uh, Denver Nuggets. You're looking at teams right below the Denver Nuggets. You're looking at like the Phoenix Suns, who made some moves as well. I think that they got better. Uh, you're looking at you know possibly you know some of the. Uh, the Grizzlies, the Memphis Grizzlies, they drafted Wells also last night, by the way. And they yep. still have a stud, you know, a team full of no. studs. Well, they got Marcus Smart as well. And they got Marcus Smart, which is huge. Uh, so there's teams in the West that are going to challenge. I'm just saying, if you want to make that one move, you got to go find. I think, honestly, I think Golden State needs a shooter. Yeah, they need a shooter. Just they have Steph Curry and fucking Clay Thompson. What are you talking about? You need, you need okay. one more guy. I have uh, I, I want to do this. I'm going to call an audible on the fly. I want to save pro wrestling takes for next week. Okay. And I want to do one last Celtics take, and we can get out of here if you're okay. All right, let's do this. Because we went long. Um, and, we, and once again, said we weren't going to go long, and then we did. We do this every single week. Um, so the Boston Celtics traded market smart. That's it. They're done. Stick a fork in them. They're, they're not going to win a championship. Tatum's not going to win a championship on that Celtics team with that current roster. Uh, Tatum, uh, unfortunately, Brown's not going to be the guy. And you just traded the heart of that team. You traded the guy. And to me, trying to find a comparison here, and I'm and I'm struggling to make it. But he, when you lose, it'd be like the Warriors trading Draymond to me. When you lose, or the Lakers traded LeBron, 
when you lose the heart team, when you lose that guy, basically your your captain by default, that that changes everything. There's a shift in the locker room. There's a shift in leadership. And who's going to step up the leadership role? It ain't. It definitely ain't going to be that coach. It definitely ain't going to be <laughs> Brown or Tatum. Is it going to be Porzingis? No, no. He can't even no speak way. English. There, and, and so I, I still think the Celtics are going to be good. They'll probably be the third or the fourth seed. But their championship aspirations, the, that ship sailed the moment they the, – the, 24 hours ago, 48 hours ago. When they traded Marcus Smart, that was it. There's no fucking way that they win a championship now. And Jesse, tell me where the lies. I, I love that take, actually. That's a huge take. Uh, I think that they're definitely in the championship run. The Eastern Conference is still not the better conference. I think that there's less teams to have to go through. Uh, it depends on what some of these uh, up-and-coming teams, like the Indiana Pacers, the uh, the Atlanta Hawks. Yes, it's really it, it, it depends. Be it depends on how year. it depends on how Miami rebounds. Is yes. Miami, I, we both said that Miami's not making another championship run, but like they they're still a playoff team, I believe. So, it, I think the Boston Celtics went from being uh, one of the top two teams in the Eastern Conference to team number three, four, or five in the Eastern Conference. And now I don't think that their championship uh, hopes are completely drained. But you're right when it comes to, you know, if Draymond Green back when Golden State was making that huge run, they win all those championships. If Draymond Green would have got traded somewhere in there, I think that that's where the championship era ends is when Draymond gets traded. He didn't get traded. He stayed with the team. He continued to be the heart and soul of that team. He was the, the, the defender of that team. And he was the one not afraid to, to punch somebody in the mouth and take a, take a, you know, an ejection or something. He was the one not afraid to, to, to bad mouth, you know, the other team's coach. And he's also the guy that doesn't care if he scores 20 points as long as he, you know, gets 10 rebounds, uh, gets three steals, and maybe eight assists in the game. But the, and, that intangible – and, and, now I'm interrupting and Mar right. Marcus Smart to the Boston Celtics is that. He's got the intangibles. He's got the skill set on the, the court. Yes, he's the guy that dives on the floor for a loose ball. Yes. He's the guy that gets up off the fucking floor and looks at everybody in the audience and goes, let's fucking go. He's the guy that gets in Tatum's ear and goes, you're playing like shit right now. Pick it up. Here's, no, the, other, here's he, the part about He's the doing the things smart. that the coach isn't doing. And when you lose those intangibles on a championship team and you can't replace them, you're no longer a championship team. Here's the thing about this, the Marcus Smart trade that bothers me. And this is this could be hearsay just because Marcus was mad or whatever. I don't know. But they asked him. They they asked somebody asked him about the trade. Was he surprised? Did he know about it? Did he see it coming? And he said, "I had no idea this was happening. I was prepared to retire as a Boston." I Celtic. saw that. I saw that. Hey, that, that when that, when that your is... franchise goes behind your back and trades you off. That's not a good sign. That's a sign of a franchise that's possibly starting to fall underneath themselves a little bit. That is his Joker arc in Memphis the entire time when he's turning jaw, which you would hope, turning jaw from a young man to an actual man and helps his fucking nuts drop and matures that team with what he brings and, and brings, uh, now I'm really shitting on that team, brings a little bit of class to that organization because, again, I know he's a shit talker. I know he's a fucking little bit of a wild man. And sometimes he comes, has a little bit of a Rodman vibe. But, he's, but he buttons up well, and he can fucking bring that class to that organization. 
and I and I think that Memphis won in that fucking trade because oh, yeah, 100%. I, I said it. How many times have you heard me say it the last two years, Jess? That team's got to mature. They've got to mature. They've got to bring in a vet that will bring that maturity. They need an Al Horford. They need that. They need a Draymond Green. They need that, you know, that that mature vet. There's a reason Udonis Haslam stayed in Miami for 27 years. He's just a mature vet. They would bring in those young guys. Marcus Smart is going to do that. And if I am Memphis, I am fucking happy. Now, when they figure it out, and maybe it is next year, maybe it's the following year because I'll have Marcus for a minute, they're going to be good. Yeah, and like I said, Memphis, uh, they, they drafted really well last night. They drafted really well over the past four or five seasons. And they have guys on that team that can really contribute. Jaron Jackson Jr., some of these other guys. Uh, you know, bringing a guy like Marcus Smart is only going to make this team better. He's going he's gonna, to uh, trend upward the maturity mm-hmm. level and everything else on that team. And he's going he's gonna to bring a, a, a tenacity to the just practice you know, just how he practices on the court. Everything. When everything's going to be, he's going to make, these, he's going to make these young guys work hard for everything that they get, whether it's off the court or on the court, he's going to make them work hard for it. And that's going to show up big time on, on game night. He's going to show up and he's going to do it. One of those on the court things where he's going to go, no, I don't need to show, I don't need to show you guys. I'm going to show up on the court right now. I'm going to uh, first practice and just start busting everybody's ass. And we'll go from there. I'll earn my respect right here first practice, busting everybody's ass, calling everybody out, making you motherfuckers accountable because ain't no one on this team done that yet. And it wasn't Steven Adams. It's me. Let's go. Yeah. All right. Hit the wrap it up button, Jess. We'll do wrestling takes next week. Huge NBA stuff today. But, of course, with the draft looming over our heads from last night, we had to bring up some stuff. A little bit of MMA stuff. Uh, We don't have an actual pay-per-view event for two weeks so I think it's like the first uh, Saturday or something like that or in, in July. So we got a ways to go. Uh, shout out to anybody who listens. Shout out to old listeners. Shout out to new listeners. Uh, we hope that you enjoy the show. Uh, Hit all the Twitter followers right now. Smash so, Squad, MMA. Uh, Allen. Um, Sports. We haven't shouted them out one time yet. Yeah. Shay, uh, obviously Shay Rollins. You at know, Shay, Justin at Bond. Shay. Justin Von Doom. Uh, uh, we just shout Josh, Joshy Thrash Metal. Thanks. Sh- you got more love Josh. than anybody. Uh, and just all those guys. If we, if if uh, Jason or, or I are following somebody, it's feel okay to follow them back. Basically, that's the way that we're doing. At um, Fat Boy Fadeaway Sports. Always. Uh, right. At Variety underscore Sports underscore. Shout out to Variety Sports Network for uh, shouting us out all the time and putting us on their network. Uh, and um, I think that's it for all. That's all the people I get that's, to hear Twitter wise. That's it, uh, folks. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the fights if you can. Admit or not, maybe you'll like them. I don't know. And uh, we'll be back next week. Enjoy the weather. Peace, guys.